It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. You're listening to the MLB Pipeline Podcast with your host, Ed Randall. Hi, everybody. I'm Ed Randall, and welcome to the MLB.com Pipeline Podcast. I'm joined by our draft and minor league expert, Jim Callis. Saturday night was one of the highlights of the current Arizona Fall League season as East played West in the Fall Stars game. Jim, you helped call it on TV, and it was a showcase for the Yankee catcher, Gary Sanchez, who hooked a home run to left field and was a standout on defense. Yeah, he, he really was, and, I, and it wasn't really that much of a surprise yet because he's been the best player out here in the Fall League so far. I mean, after you know four weeks of play, he's hitting 328, he leads the league in homers, RBIs, total bases, extra base hits, slugging percentage. I, I think if the season ended today, he'd be the MVP of the league, hands down, just like Greg Bird was for the Yankees last year. Greg Bird then came up and was hitting home runs for the Yankees down the stretch in 2015, and we see Sanchez do the same. But he he was the, I think the biggest standout, and he was the the Bowman star of the game. Uh, you know, and you know not only did he hit the home run, Ed, I think what impressed me, he homered off of Kyle Freeland, a Rockies first round pick, but he was fooled on the pitch. It was a changeup, and it, I mean it was up. It wasn't right. like it was an unbelievable changeup. But he was out on his front foot, and he still had enough strength to to drive it over the left field fence and. And before that, in the first inning, uh, Christian Arroyo, the Giants, tried to steal on him. And, you know, he got a pitch. He got a very good pitch to throw on. I mean, it was a high fastball, you know, and, but he unloaded. They had a couple guys who, who had a 1.82-second pop time. Pop time is, you know, mitt to mitt, his mitt to second base. Um, that's well above average. And the throw was right on the bag. I mean, you could not have placed the throw any better. So he, he really starred both ways. And that's kind of been the story. I mean, he, this is a guy who got a $3 million bonus. Now the Dominican Republic, Dominican Republic in 2009, and you know the two tools you're looking for, you know, with catchers that can really stand out are, are arm strength and, and power in the bat, and he definitely has both of them. And you know, still needs to clean up the receiving, and I think once he does that, he will work his way into the mix in New York. You know, even though they have McCann and Murphy there. That uh, home run was so impressive. Like you said, uh, Jim, he was out on his front foot, and he still flicked the bat out and got it over the left field fence onto the berm. Uh, and to your point just a moment ago, uh, Brian Cashman uh, recently was quoted, the Yankees general manager, of course, saying that uh, he feels that uh, Sanchez is ready, which presents uh, a whole other issue for the Yankees because Cashman also feels John Ryan Murphy could be a, a regular everyday catcher. And of course, they're into McCann for millions of dollars. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a good problem to have. I mean, I, I do think Sanchez still needs to clean up the receiving some. I mean, that's been the biggest knock on him since he's been in full season ball. But I, I think you know, I, I, from scouts I've talked to, they feel like he, he he's he's working harder at it than than ever before, and he's showing some improvements. I don't think he's ever going to be a a smooth receiver. Uh, you know, that we're going to give the gold glove to, but I mean, you're looking at a guy who could hit, I mean, especially Yankee Stadium, I, I think this guy could hit, you know, if he played every day, you know, this, this is a guy who could, who could possibly deliver 20 home runs, and, and he's got the arm strength, so, 
you know, I mean, you know, even if the Yankees are, are overloaded with catchers at the moment, uh, they, they, you know, it's certainly baseball is not. So, I mean, and that's one of the great things. And we've talked about this all fall, Ed, when we've been doing these podcasts about the fall league is, yeah, it's a developmental league. And you can come out here and work on various aspects of your game, make some improvements, get ready to the big leagues. And it still floors me that, that, that 2,500 Arizona fall leaguers have gone on to the big leagues, and roughly two out of every three players in the league makes the big leagues. But the same, you know, so that's all good, and that's the primary purpose. But you know what else it does, too, is you know, you're on display to every organization. Every organization scouts Arizona Fall League, and you know, even if he is blocked by New York, there's 29 other organizations watching Gary Sanchez just pound the ball and throw well. And this is, you know, as I said, I mean, he's been dominating the plate. I've seen him play two or three times. I've seen him make strong throws as well. Um, we did a broadcast on MLB Network, a regular season game on Friday, and he made two strong throws in that contest as well, and you can't help but be impressed. So even if he is blocked in New York, there are 29 other organizations saying, hey, you know, hey, this guy's making strides with his receiving, and the power and the arm strength are for real. So it's, if he can't play in New York, he'll definitely find some place to play. Uh, I'm interested in this. A few years ago, the Yankees had, a, a, again, a very highly touted catcher named Jesus Montero, who eventually they traded to Seattle to get uh, Michael Pineda. But, uh, again, a big kid, a strong kid, uh, and you saw him years ago in the AFL. Uh, compare them. Does, does yeah, Sanchez remind you of him at all? Yeah, well, I mean, that's a great question, Ed, because those guys were compared to each other a lot, especially when they were both coming up through the Yankee system. And I, I do think if you look at the high-profile guys, the Yankees sign a catcher, you know, as amateurs, whether it's via the draft or via internationally, a lot of the guys, you know, most teams look for the defense first for the catchers or some receiving skills, and the Yankees seem like they look for the power in the bat and the defense is secondary. Um, and, and these guys were compared a lot. Um, I think, you know, at one point, I mean, I thought Jesus Montero was about as, you know, taking the catching side as good as any hitter, all-around hitter, you know, with power and hitting for average as anybody in, in the minor leagues, and, and his career has not unfolded as you hoped. Um, and there were questions about the catching, a lot of the same questions you heard about Sanchez. I, I, I do know if you compare these guys at the same stage, both when Sanchez was younger and, and now, I th scouts, I think, would tell you that Sanchez had a better chance to catch um, than Montero did. I think Montero, at, at the peak, of his uh, prospectum, if you will, was probably considered a, a better hitter than Gary Sanchez. Um, but, you know, like, like I said, I, I do think that, that Sanchez, while you still like to see him clean up his receiving, he has made some strides. And I think he's got a chance, you know, you know whether he's a everyday catcher in the big leagues or more of an offensive guy who, who maybe is a catcher, DH first base, okay, you know, that remains to be seen. And I think that's really up to the taste of the club. You know, some teams, you know, that want to really prioritize defense behind the plate, maybe Gary Sanchez isn't going to catch 100 games for you. Um, but at the same time, you know, you look at the Yankees, Ed, I mean, Jorge Posada was a very good player for a long time, but I don't think you would ever say that Jorge Posada was a, a you know, a good defender. I mean, he was probably a, a fringy defender, but he was a well above average offensive player for his position. And that's the type of guy that Gary Sanchez can become. And the kind of guy that the Yankees love behind the plate. Uh, they, they'll, they'll write his bat. Uh, Jim, talk about uh, the other standouts you saw the other night. Uh, Philip Irvin, uh, the Cincinnati Reds, had a terrific night. And uh, the fascinating story of uh, Jurickson Profar trying to get back to the major leagues after having played, I believe it was 85 games a couple of years ago up there. Yeah, I mean, besides Sanchez, I mean, there were a lot of hitters on display. And the hitters are usually more of a standout in the fall league in general, because you aren't going to send a top pitcher here 
unless he's had an injury that was serious enough to shut him down, but not so serious that he needed surgery or, or you're overly cautious with it. So, so usually the better prospects out here are the pitchers, but, but you mentioned those guys. Um, Philip Rivens a guy I, I've liked a lot, Ed, uh, since he was a first-round pick in 2013. He had a great pro debut. I, I thought this guy had a chance to be a star, and he's really struggled the last two years, at least in terms of hitting for average. But Saturday night, I, I was very impressed. He had, he had three good at-bats. He struck out in the last at-bat, um, you know, fighting off pitches, you know, worked the count. But it was still good at-bat, even though it ended in a strikeout, or at least he looked good during the at-bat. His first two times up, you know, nice, singled off a 96-mile-an-hour fastball, singled off an 87-mile-an-hour slider, ran the bases aggressively, stole a base. I, I still think he has a chance for average or better tools across the board. You know, Jerick's a pro far who we said several times during the broadcast, uh, you know, he was baseball's top prospect entering 2013, broke in with the Rangers that year, and really hasn't played much at all. You know, missed all of 2014 uh, after tearing a muscle in his right shoulder, played 12 games at the end of the minor league season this year, and he's out here in the Arizona Fall League to get some at-bats and, and tune it up. And, uh, you know, he's not playing in the field, but he, he singled twice and walked twice and ran the bases aggressively. Uh, he's maybe a, a half-step slower uh, than he was in his prime, you know, and I'm sure as he gets back in, in better game shape, he'll, he'll get that step back. But, you know, if you watched him at the play, Ed, he did not look anything different than, than, than the Jerickson Pro Far we thought was baseball's best prospect. Now, that said, part of the reason he was baseball's best prospect is he was a guy who could play a very good shortstop in second base, and, you know, the shoulder, we'll have to see on that. And one other hitter I'll, I'll throw out there, there, there were a bunch of them, but Austin Meadows looked really good, too. The, the former ninth overall pick in the 2013 draft, the Pirates outfielder. He, I think, a couple guys have gone home. I think he's the highest-ranked prospect at number 22 on, uh, on the MLB Pipeline Top 100. I think he's the highest-ranked prospect in the league right now. But he had a, he had a seven-pitch at-bat against Adam Ravenel from the Tigers, who throws hard, and it ended with him taking a 96-mile-an-hour fastball Hit a, hit a moonshot that got over the right field fence. Uh, very impressive at bat, impressive homer. I think he's got the best all-around tools out here. You didn't really get to see them all. You know, it wasn't like he got to run or, or make a great defensive play uh, in, in the game, but, the, but you could see the power that's coming. And it's funny with that, Ed, because he really has not hit for a lot of power in the minors thus far, which is not atypical for a young hitter. Um, and, and, you know, you talk to scouts and they say the power's going to come. You know, he's, he's got bat speed. He's got strength. He, he knows what he's doing at the plate. And, and a lot of times, you know, you, you're happy to see the, the hit tool develop uh, and then the power comes second. Well, the, the, the power was there on Saturday night. It was very impressive. And, and just one, one other, uh, just a quick note, if, if you would, about uh, Chad Gerardo from the Blue Jays, a left-handed pitcher who comes in and, and doesn't light it up at all and, and yet uh, was very impressive and efficient on Saturday night. Yeah, you know, he, you know of all the guys in the game, and this will sound a little bit funny because he's not a high-profile guy, Ed, but he might have opened my eyes as much as anybody um, and in terms of at least – a guy who wasn't on my radar, I'm like, you know what, that guy could be a big leaguer and pretty quick. I mean, he was a, a senior sign-out of Mississippi State in 2013 for $5,000. Um, he's, he's a low-angle lefty uh, who throws 87-89, but it, it's got a ton of sink on it. And he, he commands it pretty well. And he's got a short little slider uh, that, that's an effective second pitch. And, I mean, I, I forget, I think he threw 20, 22 pitches. And I won't claim I charted each one of those pitches while we're doing the broadcast, but I mean, I bet if he threw 20 pitches, Ed, 
18 of them were at the knees. I mean, it was just, you know, down, everything down at the down. knees. And yeah. he walked a guy, you know, he, he missed off the corner a little bit uh, and walked a guy. But, but I'm telling you, Ed, after watching this guy, I, I could see this guy helping Toronto as a situational lefty in 2016. He won't be a – he won't make any top prospect lists. And, you know, he's not a top, you know, top prospect. But Chad Girado can really pitch. I, I was very impressed. And if you look at his minor league numbers, that's not out of character – with you, if you look at his minor league numbers, you can see how he's put them up, and he's been very impressive. He just he just keeps the ball at the knees, and it's hard to you know, especially pitching at Rogers Center. That, that that's going to be very valuable. One of the pitchers everyone was looking forward to seeing in the Fall Stars game was the electric right arm of San Francisco's Ray Black. He threw the game's most efficient inning, a seven-pitch perfect eighth, and we're so happy to welcome him to the Pipeline Podcast right now. Ray, it's great to have you with us. Uh, you threw a pitch. Measured at 104 miles an hour earlier in the AFL season. You reached 101 Saturday night, and you had two others measured at 100. So, uh, relatively speaking, it was a slow night. Can you describe <laughs> for us what it's like to throw pitches at 100 miles an hour? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll be honest. It, it kind of comes out a little easier sometimes. Uh, you know, other days it's a little easier than it was, I guess, in the uh, Fall Stars game. But, um you know, I feel a lot of just kind of lower half drive, but, I mean, when I let it loose, I think it kind of feels like how I'd say everybody else feels. It just kind of comes out a little bit harder. Mm. Uh, there was a time when I threw 98, Ray, uh, but uh, in point, in being perfectly honest with you, uh, that was uh, 49 into the catcher and 49 back from the catcher. <laughs> so it was, it was, it was nothing. It was nothing like you. Were you surprised to go as late as you did in the draft, going in the seventh round? Um, I knew I had some things I had to work on at the University of Pittsburgh, and I, I wasn't exactly a polished reliever at the time. I was a redshirt sophomore. Uh, as well so this was before the slots were really implemented uh, in the draft so to take me as a redshirt sophomore would be almost like taking you know uh, almost like a high school guy or juco guy out of the first year so I knew I had a little bit more leverage as well so that might have deterred some teams but um, uh, I mean the seventh round was I guess kind of where I expected to go I was hoping to go a little bit earlier than that but um you know, I, like I said, I, I knew I had things I had to work on. I had a little bit of, you know, the control issues as well and uh, uh, hadn't had a great year that season at Pitt. Ray, you've, you've had, a, I guess, a, a, a checkered injury history might be the best way to put it. I mean, going back to high school, I think you've pitched maybe 98 innings in the last eight years between Tommy John surgery and knee issues and shoulder, and I think there was a, a lat issue in there as well. How difficult has it been to deal with all that, and how frustrating has it been to, to be inactive as much as you have the last eight years? How have you dealt with I, it? Yeah, I, it's it's really difficult. I mean, it, you know, the hardest thing about baseball is not being able to play baseball for me. You know, guys take it for granted sometimes. You, you'll see a lot of people get, you know, competitive and very upset over wins and losses, and that's all understandable, and I'm the same way. But at the end of the day, if I could come off that field healthy and, and, and God bless, I could go out and do it another day. It, it's a win for me either way. Uh, it's put baseball in a new perspective for me, I think, and it's actually almost helped my career. It, I've had to face a lot of adversity that, you know, other guys 
haven't had to. And I know guys that have been through Tommy John surgery and shoulder surgeries, but, you know, usually not both of them. Um, it, it's just given me a new perspective on the game, uh, just to go out each day and enjoy it while I can, because I, I know that, you know, it could almost be over any pitch. In terms of the, 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 the arm strength you've had, when did, I mean, I know you've, you, scouts have always raved about your arm strength. When did you first hit 100 miles an hour? When, when were you first aware that you could reach back and hit triple digits? That was actually after my uh, shoulder surgery. I received shoulder surgery in 2012, and I missed uh, that year along with 13. So it was spring training 2014 was the uh, first time I'd hit 100. I have flirted with it before the shoulder issues. Um, I think I'd been pitching for a little while with uh, a torn labrum, which could sometimes, you know, uh, you'll lose a couple miles per hour. Uh, a couple. <laughs> yeah. more than a couple. Yeah, you can say that. So there, there were times where, uh, you know, before uh, before I got the shoulder repaired and I'd be, you know, 93, 96, which was pretty firm. And I just always felt like, man, I wonder, you know, if, if I didn't have this little bit of shoulder nagging or this little shoulder issue, you know, I've always wondered, like, you know, how hard could I throw if it actually felt good? Um, and, and sure enough, eventually the shoulder issue, it become worse and worse and, and I faced a point in my career where if I wanted to continue to play competitively, I was going to either have to get it surgically repaired or get, hang them up. And at that point, I've come so far that, uh, you know, giving it up exactly isn't an option for me. Not at this point. Not at that point as well. And I think so, the amazing thing, Ed, I don't know how much you've seen of Ray. I've seen him a couple times out here in Arizona. I mean, it's not just the velocity. I mean, usually when guys are throwing that hard – there's, you know, you, you can see some effort to the delivery, and it's pretty straight. But, I mean, Ray, I mean, watching you pitch, I mean, we were doing the broadcast our day of the Fall Stars game, and, and Joe McGrain, the, the former big league pitcher, was part of the broadcast team, and, and he hadn't seen you pitch. He's like, okay, you know, I keep hearing about this triple digits. Let's see what we've got. And I think there was – I can't remember who the batter was. It might have been the second guy you faced. And, and, and Joe said – he's like, you know – He's like, you know, you, you have get me over fastballs, you know, get me over fastballs. And I think it was like a, you just threw a first pitch fastball over the plate to get ahead in the count. And Joe's like, this looks so easy. And then you look up and it's <laughs> 101, you know. And, you know, and it's got yeah. life to it, too. How about the rest of your rep- repertoire? What else do you throw besides the overpowering <laughs> fastball? Yeah, um, uh, I have a, my out pitch would be a slider. I throw that for most of the times. Uh, the thing about the fall league that has really helped me is, is being able to establish it as a true second pitch to where I have the confidence now to throw it in even counts or uh, even behind an account two one. Uh, guys out here could stroke the ball. I mean that's no that's that's no secret. And and if you just keep laying them in there, whether it's a hundred or ninety, or you're going to get burned eventually. And so it's given me a lot of time to work on that slider as a second pitch. Um, I fooled around with a, a curveball and change up primarily for lefties. Righties and a fastball slider guy. That's what you're going to get. Uh, lefties, I fold around with a changeup, and I fold around with a little bit more of a 12-6 breaking ball for a lefty, so it's not running so much into them. Um, but until I really establish that slider out here is my second pitch, I'm not going to look for uh, establishing a third pitch yet. If I'm going to get beat, I'd rather you beat me with my fastball, or I'd rather you beat me on my slider than uh, you know third or fourth pitch. How much inspiration, Ray, do you take um, from, from what Josh Osich went through? I mean, I, I, talking to the Giants this fall, 
they, they kind of paralleled the two of you. I mean, he's obviously left-handed, and, and you're right-handed, but Josh is a guy who had a lot of injury issues in college as well and in pro ball. And, you know, they got him, you know, healthy and, and, and ramped up this year, and he, and he made the big leagues in midseason and was very effective out of the bullpen for the Giants. I mean, have you followed what he's been through? I mean, were you guys ever teammates in the minors? Uh, does, does it help to see a guy who's, who's gone through a, a similar story to you, maybe not quite as many injuries, and see the happy yeah. ending there? Yeah. Uh, you know, I know, I know Josh. Uh, we were drafted the same year in 2011, and uh, – but like you said, there's, there's a lot of parallels there between us. Um, I, you know, I always root for my teammates, and I, I always cheer for guys who, who've been through the the ringer with injuries because I know just how difficult it is. And um, I know Josh at one point had thought about, you know, if if it was worth it to him as well. And, and I've been through that, and I think almost every guy who's had a major arm issue has uh, been through that point of asking, man, is this worth it anymore? And now for Josh to to make it to the big leagues uh, at 26, uh, get up there, help the Giants, <clears throat> and be able to compete at that level, you know, it, it it does it. It parallels to me to where I think, you know, he was in my shoes, uh, you know, last year, the year before, and uh, he continued to battle, and you know, he's progressing now at this point in his career, and that's where I like to think I am. I like to think. You know, the injuries are behind me. The major stuff is done. Uh, I got my shoulder and elbow. It's cleaned up. It, you know, that stuff is fixed. And now it's time for me to really hammer down, put the foot on the gas, and, and let's get moving forward here. And I'm excited to see what this year is going to bring. Hopefully I'll have the same success he had because he, he's had a great success at that next level, and I'm happy for him. Well, plus it's an even-numbered year, so, I mean, if you if you make it up to the Giants, it probably means you get a World Series ring, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll make it up this year and we'll win it, right? Exactly. Well, Ray, it's uh, good luck. Uh, you know, I hope, you know, continued good health going forward. It's a lot of fun to watch you pitch. And I, I've seen guys hit 100 before, but I, I don't know if I've ever seen a guy do it, uh, except for maybe a Rolls Chapman, do it and, and make it look as easy as you do. So it's uh, fun to watch and uh, continued uh, good health and uh, good luck going forward. Yeah, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Ray, thanks for being with us. All best wishes to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Pitching for two teams in 2014, Ray Black pitched 35 in the third innings, gave up 17 hits, and struck out 71. And then last season in 2015 at San Jose, he pitched 25 innings, gave up 13 hits, and struck out 51. Uh, easy cheese is the best way you could describe Ray Black. That'll do it for us. On behalf of Jim Callis, I'm Ed Randall. Thanks so much for listening to the MLB.com Pipeline Podcast.